0: So, this is my home office, bunch of crap. Here's a rock that I painted in kindergarten, a US Army machete, a bunch of bourbon decanters. That's like the only thing I collect. Oh, of course, all the books. Here's a couple of shelves about California, a bookcase full of Chicano Latino stuff. Mementos of my career too. On the floor are a bunch of awards, but check this out. This is the first article I ever wrote. The subject, Pete Wilson. Back in 2000, I got a Democratic Party mailer that had a fuzzy photo of him with the caption, just when we thought he was gone. He's back. When I got this mailer, I remembered Wilson's They Keep Coming TV ad, the one that used fuzzy footage of Latinos crossing the U.S.-Mexico border to imply we were invading California. Now, a few years later, he's the scary scapegoat. Not long after I got that mailer, I wrote an article for OC Weekly. It came out on November 23rd, 2000. Here's what I wrote. Like the Mexican legend of La Llorona, the ghost woman whose story is used to strike fear in the hearts of children, Pete Wilson's name was invoked in mailers, radio commercials, and a popular song during the recent election cycle. Always to signify something truly horrifying. This was the first article I ever got published I wasn't even a reporter back then. I was a film studies major in college. But something about doing that story got me. It was like my own little personal revenge on 187. So I framed the mailer, the little story, and my pay stub. $100 for 700 words. Sadly, freelancer rates haven't improved, but California sure has. So I guess I might as well say it right now. Thank you, Pete Wilson. Without you, I wouldn't have a career. From the Los Angeles Times and Futuro Studios, I'm Gustavo Arellano, and this is The Battle of 187. It's the first story in our new This Is California podcast. Part three. Thank you, Pete Wilson.
1: Voters decided 59% to 41% to pass the measure, which cuts off nearly all public services to illegal aliens.
0: If you've been listening to this series... You have a sense of how intense the campaigns for and against Prop 187 were. Once it actually passes in November 1994, a lot of people are left asking themselves, what's next? Barbara Coe, one of the leaders of the Prop 187 move, says her phone has been ringing off the hook since last Tuesday as individuals and organizations seek help in setting up similar campaigns in New York, Florida, Texas, Illinois, even Iowa. The president of Mexico, in his final weeks in office, has called on Mexicans working in the United States to come home. Remember, Latino voters overwhelmingly reject 187. Many see it as an existential threat and are terrified that their lives are going to get difficult, fast. That La Migra is going to come knocking on their doors or show up in school and ask for papers. So just a day after the election, before any parts of 187 can go into effect, federal and state lawsuits are filed, eight in total, claiming that the proposition is unconstitutional.
1: Portions of Prop 187 were to go into effect immediately, but court orders were issued today holding off the new law until its constitutionality can be examined. The
0: move works. The court freezes 187. Most of it won't go into effect until the lawsuit is heard, which is a big relief for immigrants. Among the plaintiffs, the ACLU and the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Educational Fund, or MALDEF, Gloria Molina serves on the L.A. County Board of Supervisors. We heard from her earlier, and she tries to convince the county to join the suit. After that, you start getting a lot of hate mail again.
2: Yes, I did. And I just had to put up with it. People came to the board, attacked me, uh, letters that I would get.
0: When Gloria says people attacked her, she's not kidding. She becomes a target of pure venom. Here's a letter she gets from someone in Long Beach. If you and your protesting mechs are so great, why don't you go to Mexico and build your own country? You mechs are the divisive ones. You don't assimilate into U.S. society. You want your divisive language or divisive holidays and on and on and on and on. The place for what you want is Mexico. And it isn't just nasty letters.
2: They were angry. I remember going to Trader Joe's one day and being attacked by a woman there and talking about, you know, what kind of representative am I? You know, if you're just siding with Mexico, why don't you move to Mexico? And and uh, I said, thank you for your views. I know you feel that way. I feel differently. And then afterwards, when I went out to the parking lot to get in my car, I almost could swear she was ready to run me down.
0: 187 hits a national nerve. From coast to coast, people want to rail against immigration, Period. Take these callers on NPR's Talk of the
2: Nation. It's an invasion. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's like a, it's a passive, but it is an invasion. There's, there's really nothing else that you can call it. I mean, it's just incredible.
1: This thing about discriminating against uh, illegals or whatever, to me, is just a bunch of bull. And I don't believe it one bit. I am for that proposition.
0: In California, 187 is the first in a string of propositions that target people of color through the 90s. In 1994, voters also passed the infamous Three Strikes Initiative, which lands hard on Blacks and Latinos. Two years later, voters ban affirmative action. In 1998, it's bilingual education. But while all this is going on, 187 itself stays tied up in the courts for years. In 1997, a federal judge finds it unconstitutional a.k.a. goodbye, 187. But then Attorney General Dan Lundgren, a Republican, he appeals the decision to try to keep it alive. Peter Nunez is one of the architects of 187 that we heard from earlier. He thinks Lundgren isn't fighting hard enough for 187. And just a warning here, he describes Lundgren with pretty sexist language. I am convinced that Lundgren
2: didn't like it and let it die.
0: Why do you think Lundgren held back?
2: I think he was a pussy. (laughs) Maybe he had uh, political ambitions and he didn't want to piss off the Hispanic population, the Latino population. Shameful. It was shameful. He was the attorney general of the state of California. He had an obligation that he failed to uphold.
0: Lundgren has denied those accusations. 187 finally dies for good in 1999, when Pete Wilson's successor, Gray Davis, drops the appeal. In the end, the big parts of it never go into effect. Started with a bang, ended with a whimper. But Latinos from California like me never forgot it. Coming up, the legacy of 187. 187. All eyes are on California. Right now, its border is the center of debate and new policies. The climate is reshaping its countryside and towns, and its diverse industries and eclectic food scene are admired across the globe. At the LA Times, we report the story of California because it will shape our nation and our world. We're offering our podcast followers unlimited digital access for just 99 cents for three months. After that, just one ninety nine a week. Visit the slash CalStory to subscribe. Okay, we're back. For many Latinos living in California today, Pete Wilson is a weird mix of a monster and a joke. The guy who declared war on us. And look at California now. Tributes to him abound. Death metal legend Brujería have an assassination skit about Wilson in their song, Raza Odiada, which means hated race in Spanish. It's funnier than it sounds, I promise. I've seen murals that depict Wilson as a snake or chupacabra. My friends photobomb him and laugh about it on Facebook. And a lot of activists still call him Pito Wilson, Little Penis Wilson. Living, LA,
1: Even
0: Tupac Shakur, got into the Wilson hate game in his song, To Live and Die in L.A. So, this is the part of the series where I'm supposed to share my Pete Wilson interview with y'all, where I was going to pepper him with questions that have bugged me forever. Like, Who created that crazy they keep coming ad? Can he tell me with a straight face that undocumented immigrants like my father ruined California? Well, after two months of Wilson's people saying the former California governor wanted to do an interview with me, it didn't happen. Too busy. His people did finally give me a date, but it wasn't in time for this podcast. One question I wasn't going to ask. Does Pete regret supporting 187? In interview after interview he's done over the years, Wilson's answer is, nope. Here he is on KCRW in 2013. Do you think Prop 187 was a mistake?
1: No, I don't think it was a mistake. I think what it was is an understandable reaction of 60% of the California voters who voted for it.
0: But I still wanna talk to Wilson. So I told his people, let's figure something out. If it happens, we'll release the interview on our website or as a bonus episode. The ball's in your court, Governor. Whether or not Pete Wilson regrets 187, a lot of people will tell you that it had profound effects on California, especially on Latinos in California. In 1994, Gerardo Correa was a high school student who had a political awakening when 187 landed on the ballot. His entire life, he had assumed that he was just like anyone else in California, as American as a bald eagle. The night 187 passed, Gerardo realized in the eyes of his white neighbors he'd never be American enough. So, he vowed to do something about it.
2: And for me, it really was about going to school. Like, I'm going to go to college. Like, I was going, hell or high water, I'm going. And I'm going to graduate. And it was all started from there. Like, I, I found myself, if you will.
0: Now, in the California of 2019, Gerardo's an assistant principal at Saddleback High School in Santana. He's of average build, great at the temples, and always peppy. During our interview, I asked him a question I've been
2: thinking about a lot.
0: Do you think ultimately 187 won?
2: Well, I think it initially won, obviously, because it passed, but no, it didn't. It, it lost, and it lost in so many different aspects. Um, like I mean, which we look, ones? Well, we look at, the, look at the health of the Republican Party in, in California today.
0: year, Gerardo visits the state capital in Sacramento with the latest class of the Chicano Latino Youth Leadership Project. It's the group he belonged to when he first heard about 187. Gerardo is now president of the nonprofit.
2: When I went to the conference in 94, I sat in the, the assembly floor and I remember seeing two, maybe three Spanish surnames. But now I went back and I counted 36 names. So you talk about impact. You talk about a change. I mean, I'm looking at this board of of legislators, and I'm like, there it is. It's right there.
0: Lori Molina has a similar take on 187.
2: We became voters. We started changing things. People like my mother stood there and filled out her application for citizenship, and she became a citizen. So it changed people's minds immediately, and everybody woke up and said, it passed. What happened? It shouldn't have passed.
0: 187 changed Kevin de Leon, too. He's one of the activists who organized a big L.A. march in October 1994. The thought that politicians could
2: actually tear at the fabric of who we are as a great country got me to thinking, along with my colleagues, maybe one of us should run for
0: office. In 2014, Kevin becomes the first Latino California Senate president in 130 years.
2: My political awakening was Prop 187. There's no question about it.
0: The prevailing narrative is that Wilson's embrace of 187 doomed the Republican Party in California forever after. Wilson and his defenders reject that, of course. But just ask the Latinos who lived through 187 and are still around. Ask people like me. Better yet, ask California's Latino Legislative Caucus. To coincide with the 25th anniversary of Prop 187, they're releasing a short film titled Thank you, Pete Wilson. Thank you, Governor
2: Wilson. Now, on this 25th anniversary of Proposition 187,
1: we have a roadmap for the entire country to follow. A roadmap on how to fight back against racist, xenophobic policies. And an opportunist leader, one person at a time.
2: Thank you, Pete Wilson.
1: Thank you, Pete Wilson.
2: Thank you, Pete Wilson.
1: Thank you, Pete Wilson. Oh, and happy anniversary. Savage.
0: But if Pete Wilson and the state GOP met their Waterloo with 187, the proposition didn't suffer the same fate nationally. It inspired dozens of states and cities to craft similar measures.
2: On its first hearing in early December, the Costa Mesa City Council
0: voted 3-2 to two to become the first city to have its cops enforce immigration
2: law. Earlier this year, the Oklahoma legislature passed what many consider one of the toughest bills in the country aimed at discouraging illegal immigration, making it a felony to shelter or
1: transport an illegal immigrant. In one Virginia county, a proposed measure would require all county agencies to check on immigration status, including police, schools, libraries, hospitals, clinics, swimming pools, and summer camps.
0: 187 has also manifested itself in the White House, and President Donald Trump's anti-immigrant rhetoric sounds a lot like Pete Wilson's of 25 years ago.
1: As we speak, the Democrat Party is openly encouraging millions of illegal aliens to break our laws, violate our borders. And overwhelm our nation. That's what's happening. They beat us at the border. People are flowing through. Drugs are coming across, pouring across. They're giving us their worst people.
0: What do 187's architects think about all this? We don't know what Ron Prince thinks. He has no listed address or phone numbers. Barbara Kylie said she'd forward my request to Ron for an interview, but I never heard back from either of them. In any case, Barbara and her husband— They'll take Trump.
2: I don't have to like Trump, but I like what he does. And we, we elected him, and Bob and I voted for him. We needed a junkyard dog. We needed a, uh, somebody who could repo your car and not even think about it the next day.
0: Peter Nunez is also a fan, at least when it comes to the president and immigration. He sees Trump's election as proof that most Americans want tougher immigration policies,
2: policies like 187. Mixed news talk about the silent majority. Uh, I think that silent majority still exists, and that's why Trump got elected, and
0: immigration was a big part of that. 187 creators like Nunez and Barbara Coe have had a big voice in the country's anti-immigration movement over the past 25 years. Nunez's group, the Center for Immigration Studies, and its sister group, FAIR, now have Trump's ear on immigration issues. For Californians who fought 187, it's deja vu all over again. Or maybe it's even worse. Just like Wilson, Trump-bashed immigrants and won. I asked Gerardo Correa what he thought about that. It seems at least right now on the national scale, that's a playbook that will win just like it did in 94.
2: Yeah, and I think it will have some momentum and I think he's gonna get a lot of support by it. But I think time is what's gonna hurt them because demographics are changing.
0: In the end, those of us shaped by 187 believe that Trump, just like Wilson, shall pass. When I covered a 2016 Donald Trump rally in Orange County, I saw and heard a lot of the hostility from his supporters that I remember from the 187 days. Hell, I was half expecting those white boys from Anaheim High to start yelling at me again. But I also saw young Latinos protesting Trump while waving Mexican flags. My generation needed 187 and Wilson to jolt us into activism. And now this generation has Trump. This awakening isn't just in California either. Anthony Rendon is the state's current speaker of the Assembly. He sees other states going through the same kind of demographic changes that California went through back in the 90s.
1: I remember I was in North Carolina uh, like four or five years ago just driving, <laughs> driving around eating barbecue. And the only things on the radio were it was Spanish language radio stations and Rush Limbaugh and i remember thinking like wow this is something something's got to pop <laughs> something's got to happen here right
0: something has happened latinos have organized in many of the places that have attempted to pass laws like 187 are to know. Are to know. Are to know. in arizona the so-called show me your papers law sb 1070 that drew national attention earlier this decade seems to have backfired Now, Arizona is looking more and more like a purple state. Anthony Rendon, the assembly speaker, thinks a lot about all these demographic changes and what they mean for the country.
1: I have a chief of staff who's white, and she kind of talks a lot about being a Californian. And she says, you know, the white people in the rest of the country are going through what we went through in the 90s. And she said, from the perspective of of a white person, I can tell you that things are better now and the food tastes better, too.
0: Rendon says immigration does change things. And having gone through those changes, California has some lessons for the rest of the country.
1: That on the other end, um, you know, we... We don't have mass socialism. We don't have this incredible drain on public resources. And I'm not trying to be funny. The food is better. Better
0: than the food at El Torito in Orange County, that's for sure. Yep, I'm back to where it all started. The Mexican restaurant where the Proposition 187 crew toasted to their cause back in 1993 with four rounds of margaritas, before setting off the battle that changed California. El Torito is okay. Really, it's kind of dated. Fiesta atmosphere, big booths, gargantuan combo plates, you know this type of restaurant. It's missing a plaque on the wall though. I wanna put one up that reads, on this spot, modern day California was born. And get ready, America. Because the same stuff we went through with 187, it's going to happen to you. This is California, the Battle of 187 is a collaboration between the Los Angeles Times and Futuro Studios. If you'd like to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends to subscribe. You can find photos and more at latimes.com. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art to find the episode notes. The Battle of 187 was written and reported by me, Gustavo Arellano, and by Marlon Bishop. Our engineers are Stephanie Laboe at Futuro Studios and Mike Heflin at LA Times Studios. Production help from Lita Halliwell, Adriana Tapia, and Paige Heimson. Special thanks to NPR, KCRW, Loyola Marymount, and the Huntington Library for access to the archives. And thanks to Erica Varela for helping us to license that Tupac song. Our theme music is Salsa from Niña Dios, courtesy of Nacional Records. Our editors at the LA Times are Hector Becerra Ree Johnson, Shelby Grad, and Julia Turner. The Battle of 187 is executive produced by Abby Fentress Swanson for the Los Angeles Times and Marlon Bishop
1: for Futuro Studios. See you next time.